0: And thanks be to God that we know the one who holds the keys. Today's sermon comes to us from the 23rd chapter of the book of Job and in this passage we see the privilege of knowing the one who holds the keys and also we get a great deal of insight on how he sometimes works in our lives uh, as I've grown older, and especially more mature in my faith, I've come to realize that all of those naive answers that I possessed when I was 18-year-olds and knew everything uh, generally don't hold very well when life really starts battering at the door. Uh, Job's in one of those situations, as I read last week, where he's lost everything except for his wife and three friends. Um, So, here we have Job answering one of his friends and saying, uh, in beginning in verse uh, verse twenty three, cha- uh, ch- chapter verse one, then Job answered and said, "Today also my complaint is bitter; my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat! I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I know that he would an- what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me." Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. Therefore I am terrified of his presence. When I consider, I am in dread of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If only. How many times in our lives have we started a sentence with if only? Um, some of you whippersnappers don't know about this just yet, but you will. If only I had done this back when I was in high school. If only I had taken this class. If only I had made this decision. If only I had chosen this friend over this friend. Some of you whippersnappers know about that one. If only, if only, if only. And every time we say if only in our lives, it usually implies that we would make a different choice than the one we made to begin with. And sometimes we have to say, if only I could do this. And in Job's case, it was if only I could find him, I know he would listen to me. Now, keep in mind that at this stage in the book of Job, uh, Job's three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar—don't try to say those names fast three times—have uh, shown up, and the, to begin with, they're as horrified at, at, at Job's calamities as everyone else. They see this; that they see. A man who went from being one of the wealthiest and wisest men in all of the land... ...who now has been, has, has been relegated to sitting in, a, in a, a heap of ashes... ...trying to scrape himself off with a broken piece of pottery... ...and he's lost absolutely everything. And these three friends instantly leap to the conclusion... ...that most people will, would leap to today. Wow, if God knocked you down this far... You must have done something really bad. And they proceed to argue this time and time again in the book. At this stage, we're about on argument li- about line number two, somewhere along in there. And they're just going through trying to make Job say, Look, if you'd just confess what you've done to God, He'd forgive you of all this stuff, and He'd restore everything, and everything's going to be grand. And here's what you need to keep in mind. Every once in a while, people talk out of sheer ignorance. Now, we have this running line where I work. Keep in mind that we're having to face all these new things, and we're having to learn all this new stuff for this new system, and we're constantly learning something new, and we have this running line that says, we've never let ignorance stop us before, why start now? You know, uh, if, if if we stopped the first time we didn't know something, well, hey, we wouldn't accomplish anything where I work, not, not in IT. I mean, there's always something coming out in you. You don't let ignorance stop you. But folks, every once in a while, you probably want to stop and think a little bit before you start speaking. You see, Job and his friends didn't know about the conversations in chapters 1 and 2 between God and Satan. They didn't know that none of this happened because of Job's sin. They didn't know that, none of this ha- that that all of this happened because Satan essentially dared God to take away the protection around Job and let's see if Job would curse him to his face. They didn't know, but it, hey, ignorance didn't stop them. And now Job comes to the point where he admits how bad things are, but he also has great confidence in the one he serves. He has great confidence in the God that he had served his entire life. He says, he says the obvious, My complaint is bitter, and my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Well, yeah, if you had just lost all of your worldly possessions, plus your ten children and everything around you, I'm sure you'd have a bitter complaint too, and you'd feel kind of heavy because of your groaning. And yet, in spite of all this, Job had one thing going for him, And you better get this one thing in your head before you try to read anything else in this chapter because without this one thing, nothing else in this chapter makes sense. Job knew God. Okay? Job knew God. Job had a living relationship with a living creator he had a living relationship with his with his loving father he had a relationship that was built on that was built on experience built on faith built on revelation he had an experience he had a living faith with a living creator and therefore had a living relationship with his god otherwise he had no hope whatever of accomplishing anything else that he says here but job knew god and therefore the rest would be possible in some way or other Oh, if I just knew where to find him, if I could just come to his seat, I know he would listen to me. I'd lay out my case before him, he says. I'd fill my mouth with arguments. I know he would answer me. I know what he would answer me. I know what, I would understand what he says to me. If only Job could find God. The question becomes, what's going on here where can he look? Well, it turns out he says I go forward, but he's not there. I go backward, and I don't perceive him. Left handy, where he's working, I can't behold him. Right hand, I don't see him. I can't find God anywhere. Job says, if I could find him, I know I could. I know I could say something to him. He would explain to me what's happening, and he'd give me some sort of of redress for my grievances. Have you ever noticed when you're dealing with any kind of bureaucracy at all? that you can probably talk to a hundred different people and get a hundred different answers until you get the one person who has much of a clue about what's going on. And once you find that one person, that one person, uh, hey, they'll they'll listen to your complaint, they'll explain everything to you, and all of a sudden it becomes crystal clear exactly what's happening, if only you can find that one person. Job can't find the one person because the only one that that will make any sense of what's happening in his life is God himself. And it's as if he can't find him. And here, because of the living relationship that Job has with God, we have a statement of confidence that makes absolutely no sense in anything Job has experienced without that living relationship. Job may not know where God has gone, but Job says, he knows the way that I take. Job knew that God knew where Job would go. Job would walk in the path of God. He would walk in the path that God had set for him. He would walk in the path that God had chosen for him. And because God knew where Job would go, when he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. And we see this too often in Scripture, this thing about gold and refining fire, for us to just kind of pass over this can't do that. Matter of fact, probably time for a little explanation. Just in case you didn't know, when they start digging gold out of the ground, out of the mines, it doesn't come out nice and pretty like it is on your rings and everything. Okay? It comes out in a bunch of ore and a bunch of dirt and a bunch of rock and everything else mixed with it. And you have to take all of this Stuff with the gold in it and you put it into a furnace and you heat it to a gazillion degrees Fahrenheit and it literally melts everything in the furnace. Melts it all. And then all the crud floats to the top and you skim off the crud and you have pure gold. Now I want you to think about this. Job's saying that I shall come forth as gold. There's your King Jamesism of the day well if it's going to come forth as gold that means it's going to have to get insanely intensely very uncomfortably almost unbearably hot and i see a lot of people in my life they want to have a deep relationship with god they want to they want to know that god that god exists they want to have this intimate relationship with god uh, almost, to the point, almost to the point where I noticed, uh, you have all these songs and everything in a lot of churches today about, you know, and you hear the song and someone like, Jesus is my boyfriend. Well, look, folks, he's not your boyfriend. He's your creator and your Lord. And essentially, if you want to get to know something about God, unfortunately, you will have to endure the fire. I hate to break it to you, but there it is, plain and simple. You'll have to endure the fire. And in Job's case here he says, When he has endured the fire, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'd love to tell you that the people I know with the greatest faith have had absolutely nothing go wrong their entire lives. Everything they've touched has just automatically worked out. They could uh, hey, they could teach Disney a thing or two. Yeah. It is a small world after all. It's a great world after all. Everything's just wonderful. Fairies all over the place. And oh, we just live in fantasy land and everything's great. Not even close. Most of the people I know who have a deep faith have seen that faith tried in the fire and they've had all fantasy, fantasy world just burned off of it. They don't have any fantasies left. They have nothing but the, but the, 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 the brutal realities of life. And essentially when you get to that point in your life, you come to know just how deep your relationship with God really goes. But it takes some fire to get there. And Job pretty much says here, he knows that the why he can say that he will come forth as gold. He says, My foot is held fast to his steps. I've kept his way. I've not departed from the command of his lips. I treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. He knew that God knew that Job had put God first in his life. And yet he says, He is unchangeable. Who can turn him back? What he desires, he does. Now, Job has a little bit of comfort here in that he knows as he goes through all of this, as he endures all of this suffering, He knows that God will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. He has no idea what all God has in his mind, but he does know that God will complete it for him. And because he trusts God, he knows that whatever God has in his mind for him, it will be better than anything Job could ever imagine. I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for fantasy world faith, if you're looking for some sort of uh, for, for some sort of everything's going to automatically work out and it's going to end like the Disney World m- m- movies all, all the time, you're going to have to look somewhere else. Christianity doesn't offer you that kind of God. And in case you're wondering, let's go back to the scripture reading this morning. Does that sound familiar to anybody? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You find that twice in Scripture, spoken by two different people. That is one by the psalmist, and secondly, by Jesus himself, the son of the living God. Hanging on a cross, beaten within an inch of his life by the Roman scourge, hanging to die, naked and completely abused before all the world. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I don't know, maybe you're at the point in your life where you're kind of crying the same thing and you're, or maybe you're at the point in your life where you want to cry that and you think it's the wrong thing to say and if you say it, God may strike you down dead. Look, if Jesus himself can say it, why can't we? Every once in a while, you have to kind of get brute on and honest with yourself. And here's where it comes down to knowing the one who holds the key. Boy, aren't you glad that we know the one who holds the key. You see, right after he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He died on that cross and was put into a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he came back, folks. Three days later, he came back. You want to talk about coming forth as gold? You can't get any better than a resurrection. You can't get any better than a crucifixion at the it, it, from an unjust trial and, and, and crushed under the imperial might of Rome to coming forth, uh, forth never to die again, to live forever, to ascend to God, the, the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Folks, you can't get any better than that. And I'm going to tell you, I. You may be in the darkest time of your life right now. Maybe you're coming out of it. Maybe you're getting ready to go into it and don't know. But I'm here to tell you, God has things in store for you. He is unchangeable. And we know, because He says, that He knows the plans He has for us. Plans to give us a future and a hope. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you're in the darkest times right now, I'm here to tell you about a future and a hope. I'm here to tell you that God has not forgotten about you. In fact, when you start looking at the totality of Scripture, you start to see really about three reasons why it seems that we're in the dark with God. Time number one. Something's going on up in heaven that we don't know about. We'll never know about it on this side of eternity. And God has a plan for us that we're just going to have to endure until He reveals the plan. Okay? That's what happened with Job. Job never wanted, never know knew what all was going on when all I, up in heaven when all this stuff was happening and maybe that's going on with with, with us right now when we're in dark times. Time uh, uh, second possibility. And Scripture, makes this very clear. God blesses those in the place of blessing. He blesses those who lives who live righteous lives. Now, I'm not talking about he's going to take away all your bills, pay off your credit cards, enough, make your mortgage go away and make sure your kids your kids all graduate from Harvard and become become massive doctors and all this stuff. No. I'm saying that he will bless you and he will give you courage and he will give you strength and he will give you the fellowship of believers and he will work in your life to make sure everybody around you sees that you're in the place of blessing before God. However, God doesn't bless those outside the place of blessing. In other words, those living in disobedience to Him. And perhaps if you're, you are you see yourself in a dark place, you need to examine and see if you're in a place, if you have removed yourself from the place of blessing because of the disobedience from your life. And if that's the case, confess your sin to Him, knowing He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. It's why Jesus died for you. To give you the privilege of repentance and confession and And forgiveness. And then perhaps he will bring you out of the dark place. Now there's a third time, a third possibility. I wish like crazy that back when I was about 15 years old and I hit my first one that someone could have told me about this one. Nobody that I knew in my life had ever heard of this guy named St. John at the cross. So... Just in case you're getting ready to go through this, and maybe you're in it right now, let me tell you a few things. St. John of the Cross, 1600s. Carmelite monk, who was imprisoned prison for nine months at least because he was trying to reform his order and call people back to true faithfulness and true belief in Jesus. In his nine-month imprisonment, he had an experience of God's presence unlike anything that he had ever known before. And when he came out, he wrote this great work called The Dark Night of the Soul. In The Dark Night of the Soul, St. John of the Cross says that that God will draw a person from a beginning stage to a more advanced stage in your faith. And as he does, the dark night is when the persons lose all the pleasure that they once experienced in their devotional life. This happens because God wants to purify them and move them on to greater heights. In other words, sometimes we go through dark periods and dark nights because God's withdrawing what we know of Him from us at this moment so He can reveal more of Himself in another moment. Now, the first time I hit a dark night, folks, it scared me to death. And I spent months and years wondering just what in the world I had done wrong. And it wasn't until I finally heard about the dark night of the soul that everything finally clicked. Maybe you're in a dark period right now, not because you've done something wrong, but because God's getting ready to do more with you and more for you in your life. In which case, I'm here to tell you, hang on. Hang on. Endure. You know the one who holds the keys. If you've confessed him as Lord, believing God raised him from the dead, you have a personal, living, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, your Savior, and your Lord. And he will never leave us or forsake us. He makes that abundantly clear in Scripture. And if you're going through a period right now like Job, and you think there's absolutely no way that you're going to make it through, and maybe you think, well, one more day and I just can't handle any more of this, I'm going to tell you right now, hang on. Hang on. The fire may seem extremely hot right now and may seem completely unbearable. Hang on. He's making gold out of all the crust that's accumulated in your life. If you're here today and you've never confessed Jesus as Lord in the beginning with, never repented of your sins, that's the first place to start. You're in darkness right now and you'll stay in darkness because you don't know the one who scripture calls the light of the world. But once you come to know Him once you ask him into, once you confess your sins to Him, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, confess Him as Lord of your life, then He starts working within you and preparing you for greater things than you've ever imagined before. And I can't think of a better time for you to make that confession than right now, for you to ask Jesus into your heart to forgive you of your sins. If you're here as a Christian, you're going through a dark night, and maybe there is sin in your life, I know of no better time for you to repent of that sin And then let Jesus put you back in the place of blessing so you can start asking Him to bless you and He can start blessing you because of righteousness, not because of grace. And maybe you're here and you've examined your life and it just seems that God's nowhere around, but you know because because you've examined your life that there's no sin or anything. Well, I'm here to tell you about a dark night and about a lot of people who have gone through that dark night and they have all emerged purer than they could ever imagine possible. Hang on, folks. No matter how hot the fire may get, hang on. Because I'm here to tell you: Job walked out as gold from his experiences. We'll hear in a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, I promise you: others have walked the path that you now tread, and others too have emerged. And so will you. Hang on. And in His time, in His way, God will bring you forth as the purest gold you've ever imagined. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.